SCP-4140 Circuit Containment Procedures Object Class Euclid Footnote 1 Previously Keter, SCP-4140's object class was adjusted upon implementation of the Asoy Protocol, which drastically increased the reliability of containment. Special Containment Procedures An exclusion zone should be maintained around the underwater entrance to the cave system containing SCP-4140. Members of Mobile Task Force Omicron-2, Skippers with Flippers, Footnote 2, a mobile task force of experienced technical divers, who specialize in traversing complex overhead environments, must be kept on standby to guide the transport of personnel into and out of the cave complex. Containment efforts inside the caves are to focus on preventing the further spread of SCP-4140-2. Existing volumes of SCP-4140-2 should be blocked off from the rest of the caves. Updated Containment Procedures Oisoi Protocol To prevent the manifestation of additional volumes of SCP-4140-2, music must be played in the central cave chambers at all times. The musicians must be seated in a circle surrounding SCP-4140. These musicians must be proficient with at least one string or woodwind instrument, but the specific melody played is not relevant to containment. A provisional underground site with temporary living quarters for containment personnel should be maintained. A total of 15 musicians are to be kept on site. Footnote 3. Three groups of five, with each player expected to perform eight hours per day in four shifts, with an additional set of musicians housed on the surface for bi-weekly rotation. This ensemble of musicians is designated Tau-8, Zan's violinists. Additional Foundation staff must be present to monitor Tau-8 shifts and to watch for obsessive and irrational behavior, indicative of SCP-4140-induced mania. Deceased members of Tau-8 should be allowed to continue playing until the smell of decomposition becomes disruptive to other members. Description SCP-4140 is a topologically disconnected volume of space located in the central cave chamber of a partially flooded cave complex. Footnote 4. The only known entrance to this complex is located under the shoreline of Redacted at Redacted. No matter is capable of passing through the boundary to this volume of space. All forms of energy, kinetic, electromagnetic, etc., are completely absorbed by the boundary upon contact and never re-emitted. Due to its nature, no information about the interior of SCP-4140 can be gleaned. Its exterior appears to the naked eye as a non-reflective hemisphere with a radius of approximately 6 meters. Most of the surface area of the central cavern's walls is covered in living biological material, belonging to a single, unidentified human male of Eastern European descent. Drilling has revealed that this substance is layered, the outer layer of fat, muscle tissue, and blood vessels covering an underlying layer of sinew and cartilage, which grows spontaneously from the rock walls. Samples of the walls themselves contain bone marrow and spinal fluid. In certain places, the surface of the outer layer has grown patches of various body parts and organs, such as skin, eyes, and teeth. While this material is biologically alive and responds to basic stimuli, it is not believed to be sentient. The entirety of this material is designated SCP-4140-1. 
If at any time there are no string or woodwind instruments being played in the central cavern, volumes of space similar in appearance to SCP-4140 will begin to manifest within the cave system. Footnote 5. The precise locations of manifestation seem to be distributed uniformly throughout the caves. These volumes are collectively designated SCP-4140-2. While similar in appearance, they exhibit several deviations from the characteristics of SCP-4140. Their boundary is diffuse, and all forms of matter and energy can pass into them without resistance. All such matter and or energy is to be considered irretrievably lost. Nothing has ever exited or been emitted from SCP-4140-2. Objects partially inserted into a volume of SCP-4140-2 and then removed behave as if the inserted portion has ceased to exist. It is hypothesized that SCP-4140-2 constitutes a form of localized reality failure. The total volume covered by SCP-4140-2 will grow continuously as long as the Asoy protocol is not resumed. There is no known upper limit to this expansion. The volume of space converted to SCP-4140-2 has never been observed to decrease. When any number of musicians resume the Asoy protocol, the growth of SCP-4140-2 will begin to slow until it halts entirely. The time this takes is directly proportional to the amount of performing musicians. It has also become clear that the insertion of living biological matter into volumes of SCP-4140-2 will temporarily halt its spread altogether. This effect lasts longer the more matter is lost, and is further amplified if the organic tissue belongs to a sapient life form. Nevertheless, this method of containment is extremely inefficient and may only be considered in emergencies. Personnel that are assigned to the Osoi protocol for extended periods, in the order of several weeks, will start to display symptoms of declining mental health and eventually anomalous physical alteration. Affected personnel undergo a progression of symptoms which can be roughly divided into three stages. First stage. Onset of irrational and obsessive behavior, accompanied by an overall drop in compliance with Foundation personnel. Reluctance to cease performance as part of the Asoy protocol to the point of ignoring basic needs. Reacting aggressively when removed from the proximity of SCP-4140. Second stage. Claiming that the music performed as part of the Osoy protocol sounds unnatural or otherwise distorted, as well as insisting that the music can be heard throughout the entire cave system. Vivid hallucinations involving SCP-4140. Personification of SCP-4140-1. Deification of SCP-4140. Third stage. Displaying controlled alteration of their physique including but not limited to contortion of the skin, musculature, and skeletal structure, as well as rearrangement of internal organs. Footnote 6. This is generally used for offensive purposes when the subject is agitated. Anomalous levels of physical resilience, allowing them to survive the morphological alterations mentioned above. Open hostility towards anyone attempting to disrupt their participation in the Asoy Protocol. In most cases where the affected person is removed from the cave complex while in the first stage, these effects have been observed to fade over time. If they do not fade, the use of amnestics is authorized. All personnel in the second stage are to be redesignated E-Class 
and should be considered permanently unfit for containment duties outside of the ASOI protocol. All personnel that have reached the third stage should be considered lost. Since it is highly inadvisable to interrupt their musical performance, persons in the third stage will eventually expire due to dehydration, starvation, or sleep deprivation. Affected personnel that expire in this fashion have been observed to keep playing, although their bodies will still decompose. Addendum. Recovered Documents. The following journal was recovered from an obstructed section of the central cave, presumably damaged during seismic activity. This side chamber contained a set of scrolls in the old Adatite language, footnote 7, the spoken and written language of Proto-Sarkites, as well as a withered portion of SCP-4140-1. The scrolls serve as a record of the author's efforts to spread Sarkicism by freeing settlements from the Davite Empire. This makes it one of the only known Sarkic texts recorded before 1200 BCE. Translated Journal Entries Personal Writings of Karsist Otrava Footnote 8 A Spiritual and Secular Leader Among Adherents to Sarkicism What I had previously thought to be a mere seaside village has left me quite puzzled. Not only is it ferociously protected by an unusually large force of Davite soldiers, I have also spied at least half a dozen carts this month alone, which provide the settlement with a steady supply of slaves. Does it perhaps hide some ore mine where slaves are made to work until they die? We will soon find out. Unbeknownst to the rest, one of the guards has already been made part of my holocaust. Footnote 9. Sarkic organisms of varying morphology under the direct control of a carcist. I shall strike from within and without at the same time. After dispatching all guards in the otherwise abandoned village, I found that the slaves were indeed being brought below ground, into a vast cavernous maze. However, it quickly became clear that these were no mines. Instead, we found a blasphemous subterranean temple, where the slaves are forced to be part of an elaborate sacrificial ritual. On my foray into these caves, I observed Davite priestesses as they cast slaves into an intangible void, unlike anything I have ever seen. When I arrived at the heart of the caves, I found that it contained a far larger, immovable nothingness, surrounded on all sides by malnourished slaves who were made to play the flute without pause. When one of the flutists inevitably collapsed from sheer exhaustion, they were immediately dragged away and replaced by another unfortunate soul. I could not allow this travesty to continue, and so, after a brief struggle, I imprisoned the Davite priestesses in the slave-holding pens. Most of the newly liberated slaves have fled, while some of them have declared loyalty to me. I am loath to admit it, but it appears that the ritual I interrupted was not as senseless as I thought. This morning, I noticed that the intangible blackness outside the main cave had started to spread, almost cutting off our way out of here. One of my advisors did not move in time as the darkness lurched towards her, and the next moment she was gone. This amused the Davite priestess to no end, but it also seemed to halt the spread of the emptiness, if only for a while. The mad laughter of the priestesses came to a halt when I started casting them one by one into the all-devouring nothingness. Impulsive though it may have been, it has bought me time to come up with a solution. I stare at this thing, 
still surrounded by Davite symbols, written in the blood of slaves, and I see only a gnawing, hungering void, yearning to truly exist. I harbor genuine fear at the fact that it may be more than just another minor god. I talk to one of the more lucid slaves we freed, and they claim that the only necessary part of the ritual is the music. If we can surround this thing, at all times with the cacophonous piping of the deva, it should remain blinded and slumbering. I am glad that I need not feed it more lives, but am I truly forced to return these flutists to slavery? Their duties leave them delirious, malnourished, and exhausted. Surely, they will not survive this for much longer, especially if we must have them playing at all times. Perhaps my aptitude for Liakutat presents me with another solution. Footnote 10. The Sarkic Practice of Corporeal Augmentation and Modification The thing awakened again, sooner than I had anticipated, while I was still engrossed in my meditation. It caught me off guard and spilled a terrible vision directly into my mind's eye. As I was granted a glimpse beyond its immovable black veil, I tried to look away, but found that I could not. The more I struggled, the more translucent the boundary became. At first, it looked like a portal to the vast expanses of the cosmos, populated only by the light of distant stars. As I looked closer, however, the stars blossomed into alert, predatory eyes, and the vast, undulating darkness surrounding them gnashed wildly with countless misshapen mouths, each lined with razor-sharp teeth. I realized immediately that I was indeed mistaken. This thing, driven by instinct as it may be, was no mindless lesser god. No. In that instance, I saw it for what it truly was. One of the six archons. How can our prophet Ion ever hope to commune with such a vast, primordial chaos? Can there truly be any hope of overthrowing the twisted cosmic order? Just as I thought I had reached the depth of despair, the innumerable eyes of the thing focused on me and let out an incomprehensible snarl. As I could see it, it too could see me. Its gaze forcibly plunged me deeper into the vision, and before my eyes unfolded a present of the Archon's terrifying machinations. At the center of the void, there laid an enormous, half-formed amalgamation of flesh and bone, a serpent-like carcass devoid of all life. As I perceived time to speed up, I saw the nothingness in the cave spreading ever faster, and as it consumed the flesh of our world, the surrogate body grew closer and closer to completion. In the end, the patchwork body sprung to life as it became possessed by the very life force of her uncaring progenitor, and she strode forth from the cosmic void, freed from her inescaped prison. When I finally came to my senses, my advisor had already taken up the Davite flutes to lull the thing back to its slumber. I realize now more than ever that this is hardly a permanent solution. I absolutely must find a way to seal this thing away, from now until the end of time. It is improper for a Karsis to do this, but I have little choice. I have only my own flesh at my disposal. With my knowledge of Liakutak, it should be possible to contain the Archon without further sacrifices. I will make a Karak of myself. Footnote 11. A living temple fashioned from the heavily modified body of a Sarkite. 
to ensure that there will always be someone keeping this thing at bay. I shall put my holocaust to work on sealing all entrances that I know of. From that moment on, those who stay in this cave shall share in my carnal blessing as we take up our eternal vigil. The words recorded here will be my last coherent memories. I reject the day of a sacrifice of the many for the few, just as I reject the inherent cruelties of life. The true nature of the Demiurge lives within us all. Defiance of this nature has always been the only road to kindness. If I must live forever in the dark so that all others may see the glorious light of Ikunan, so be it. Footnote 12. The Protosarchic Paradise, which they believe to be brought upon by their prophet, Grand Carcist Ion. Of note is the fact that the dead portion of SCP-4140-1 in the collapse chamber appears to have been growing fully developed human bodies on its surface, rather than individual organs. This function was likely interrupted by the cave-in, causing the severed portion of SCP-4140-1 to atrophy. Thank you for listening to SCP-4140, Sarkic Containment Procedures by Hatchie. If you enjoyed this SCP, please like and subscribe, and follow the link in the description to the SCP Wiki, and vote it up to support it and the SCP Wiki as a whole.